<laughs> feel like it's been a long week, but it's been a good week. Amen. Even for me, I can't speak for all y'all, but actually, y'all lied, so it's a good week for y'all. Because, you know, unfortunately, there's some people that are not alive, right? You know, people die every day, right? Uh, you know, but by God's grace and mercy, he, he continues to wake us up. Amen. So, you know, I. Um, before and I was going to continue along with the passion, but I said last week that uh, you know we're going to start to dig into uh, Revelation. We're not going to go through the whole book, <laughs> uh, but I would encourage you all to read the book on your own. We're going to we're going to go probably through the first eight chapters, um, and I'm going to some weeks are going to be long because I just want to break it down and do one the seven churches that the letters are written to, but I'm going to do one church per week, so. Um, like I said, there'll be some weeks that'll be long, some weeks that'll be short. It's just for us all to be able to digest, right? So you know, over the years, and I and I, and I taught some of this on when we were meeting at the house on Wednesday, but I'm gonna get a little bit deeper. So uh, today will be more of an introduction of uh, the book, I said I should say. But you know, I've heard over the years Christians say that you know Revelation is hard to understand, and some say that. They don't read it because they're scared to read it, right? And, and that's just a, um, it, I guess I shouldn't say it so hard because it don't sound hard, but it's, it, that's almost like an ignorant statement because, um, and ignorant meaning that they don't know any better because Jesus tells us to read it. Jesus tells us to read it. And, and we're going to see as we go that it is written to saints, to believers, and it, it's not put on belief. Right, but I've seen where there are a lot of unbelievers that read it. I know because when I wasn't saved, I read the book of Revelation. Right, and then, um, but it's important for us to know as Christians, you know, what lies ahead. Right, because you know we, we say it all the time, and we know, and it's true that God knew the end from the beginning. Well, He not out for us. He let us know. He didn't keep it a secret for us. Right, so we can have victory, and he, he, you know, basically he's letting us know. You know, there's evil in the world. There's evil in the world, and sometimes it can be overwhelming to us as Christians, but we have to know, and we know through the word, especially through Revelation, that Jesus reigns victorious in the end. Yeah. So that means we come out victorious in the end. As long as we're, we're serving him and we're walking with him, mm-hmm. that we, we come out victorious. So regardless of what happens, you know, and, and you know, people say Revelation is hard to understand. What makes it hard is sometimes we're trying to figure out everything that's in there, right? <laughs> but, you know, we, we go off on a tangent sometimes and we get concerned about it, but really all we need to do is interpret the images. And really, and what you may not realize is, well, there's a saying that says the new and the old is concealed, but the old and the new revealed, meaning there's some things we may not understand from New Testament books without going back to the old, right? So there's certain things we may not understand about Revelation without going to Daniel. Zechariah, other books in the Bible. Actually, all the way going back to uh, Exodus and Genesis, believe it or not. Because you may not realize this, but there are at least 500 to 1,000 references, Old Testament references in the book of Revelation. Right? So, actually, if we studied out our Old Testament, we would have a better understanding of Revelation, truth be told. Right? And some things I'll, I'll, I'll give reference to, but I'm not going to go over it. But if you want it, I have a link that I can send you. Um, and uh, when I say 500 to 1,000, because there's some things where uh, it may have Daniel chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, but Daniel chapter 16, and then Daniel. 
Yeah, excuse me, Daniel chapter 10, verse 16, or Daniel chapter 10, verse 22. So it just depends on how you count, right? But either way, there's at least 500 references at a minimum that we can go back to the Old Testament. So, you know, what Jesus was giving John wasn't anything new. It was there in the Old Testament, right? And then even when we read Hebrews, you know, beyond Hebrews chapter 11, a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 10, and Hebrews 4, we probably don't read, read Hebrews that much. Why? Because it can be difficult to understand. But, again, going back to the Old Testament, if you understand, you read and understand Leviticus, you're going to understand Hebrews a lot more clearly. Right? So, these are things that are important. Right? So, let's real quick go to uh, Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. And this is a verse that's often quoted in uh, churches, uh, business meetings, and even in uh, you know Christians' own personal lives and things like that. But it's taken out of context because it's not meant for those things. Amen. Everybody there? Amen. All right. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I've been reading from the New King James. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. So I'm going to read that from... Actually, yeah, uh, the new uh, English translation as well. Because that word uh, revelation, it actually means in the Greek, prophecy, a vision. So the new, new English translation says this. When there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But the one who keeps the law, blessed is he. So these are things that we have to remember. So when I talked about how God has given us prophetic word, he let us know really what's going to take place at the end. Right? So like I mentioned, this is often misused. And, uh, you know, you see it on a T-shirt. And it's one of the reasons why I, I won't go to even people may invite me or have invited me to church conferences because they'll read this particular passage and it's not talking about anything to do with a church vision per se, but it's talking about a prophetic word, really what God has given because, you know, we, we talked about it the last couple weeks, well, not talk about it but we've mentioned it where if we forget our history, we'll do what? We'll repeat it, right? If we forget our history, we're going to do it and repeat it so what this is saying is this that if we don't understand a prophetic vision, basically, we're going to run them off, we're going to be lost we, we are going to be lost. This, this word um, restraint was also used in Exodus uh, 32, I think it's verse 25. Remember the golden calf with Israel? Mm -hmm. Alright, so remember Moses goes up into the mountain and he's praying and then Israel comes to uh, Aaron and they're saying, hey, we don't know what happened to Moses. Let us make us a God just like these other nations that we can worship. Right? And they do that. So God gets angry at them. He tells Moses what's going on. Moses goes back down there, and he's like, so he's like, what is going on? Because they basically forgot, they basically, but they did forget what God's law was, not to place, not to have any idols perform. So they started to do what they wanted to do. So basically they cast over strength so bad that the other nations were looking at them and saying, what is the matter with you? Because your God is real. Your, your God just delivered y'all. And we recognize what your God is doing. But yet, the people, the children who were serving God, just forgot about it. Right. So Moses does what? He gets so He says, he says, and y'all can read Exodus 32 throughout the week, so that's the homework assignment. <laughs> so, uh, 
He says what? He says everybody who's on the Lord's side, come over here. Right? And, and you would think that they will all go because they were looking for Moses. But they don't go. Why? Because now they're in the flesh. Now they're doing the things that they want to do. So what does Moses tell them? So basically the Levites come over to Moses. So Moses tells them, hey, go kill your brother. Go kill your neighbors. Go throughout the camp. Kill your brother. Kill your neighbors. And kill, I think it's your companions. I think the word used. Right? So he's telling them to go to Lot because they're no longer serving the Lord. Right? So that's harsh to us. Right? But we're going to see as we go through Revelation when we get to 2 and 3 how serious this is. How serious the Lord is. Because I talked about it before and Phil mentioned last week. The watered down message that we've gotten in this country. There's no way we're reading the same book. There's just no way. Right? And, and uh, we're going to see some things as we go. We're not going to get to 2 and 3 today. But, you know, our belief system is going to be based on the doctrine we see. So no matter who we are, whatever we're being taught, that's what we're going to start to conform to. That's what we're going to start to believe. And this is why I say doctrine is so important. We have to have sound doctrine. This is why I give y'all scriptures to go back and look at. Right? And, and it's funny because there's some some people that minister, they don't, they may give you one verse. Right? They'll give you one verse. And sometimes now we're in the age where now they're not even giving you verses, they're giving you revelation. Their own revelation that they got. And we're, we're going to see some things. So, when the people of the world do not accept the word of God, nor being taught in churches or individual Christians not seeking the word of God to know him and his precepts, then they cast off restraint. Like I said, they're going to just run them up and, and do what they want to do. So, he says here, uh, and, and going back to uh, 29 and uh, 18 Proverbs, happy. But happy is he who keeps the law. Right? So that means blessed as in an inner joy. So when we're keeping the word of God, that's the law, the word of God. When we're keeping that, now we have the inner joy. We're blessed. And, and it's important because these are the things that God wants us to do. James 1, James chapter 1, uh, verse 22. Actually, turn to James chapter 1 because I got some verses here. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. Yes, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. I'm going to read it 24. You see, we, we got to get out of and stop accepting men and women of God that are twisting the word and becoming and making it man-centered. The word has got to be God-centered when it's taught. It's preached. It has to be God-centered, and God-centered being coming from the Word, because the Word is what's going to keep us grounded and anchored. So James chapter one verse twenty-two says this: "But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was." So it's important for us to be doers of the word, and which we, we know that. We, we've all heard it. But sometimes we get in a habit of not doing the word because we, we figure it's too hard for us to do it. And then, but it's important, even the reading this and doing the word, the Bible says for us to read Revelation. So that means it is not an option. 
right? So Revelation is a book that we should actually read probably at least once a year, if not twice a year, to ourselves. Doesn't mean we always have to teach it, but it's something that it should be a reminder to us that's going to keep us. So those who do not obey are called lawless, and they cast off restraint. This restraint, again, it's again when we don't obey the word of God. So we, we, we look at the world today, and we talk about how, how dark it is because they don't have Christ. So if you don't have Christ, you're going to do what your flesh wants to do, right? And we think back to when we weren't saved. You know, there's certain things we may not do, right? I'm not going to go out there and just murder somebody, right? But there's other sins that I may do and commit because if I'm not saved, I don't have the Holy Spirit to keep me grounded. Right? Then I, I'm going to be led. That sin is what's going to drive me. So that's what's driving those who are lost and unsaved. And they may look at us, well, why don't you do those things? Because we have the Holy Spirit on us that strengthens us, that keeps us, so we don't want to do those things. So now, even if we do do something, now that's where the conviction comes in. That's where that cutting comes in. So now we ask for forgiveness, repent. Like I said, we, we, we sin. We, we experience that cutting, that's a good thing. But if we're no longer having that cutting, there's something wrong. And there's a disconnect. So it is not okay when we see other people who confess Christianity just go out there and just do sin and, and do or speak however they want to do, cursing every other word, but there's no conviction there. Then we have to wonder do they truly have a relationship with the Lord? Alright, so. We're going to hit Revelation. Let's talk a little bit about Revelation. We know that there were, what, how many disciples? One, two, three, twelve, right? Twelve, twelve, that was, we know that there was more, but ultimately there were twelve that were close, and we know one betrayed them, so they ended up being eleven, and then uh, they uh, they elected to add one, Matthias, at the end, but, so, brought it back to twelve again, so, eleven out of those twelve were all martyred. They were all killed, right? They were either um, crucified on the cross, Stone, uh, one of them, I forgot who it was, was actually clubbed, clubbed with uh, with uh, sticks and stuff like that, right? But there was one that they did try to kill, but he didn't die by a miracle, right? And that was John, right? John, they boiled him in oil, but God kept him, right? So we, we can't fathom that. But John, because they couldn't kill him, guess what the emperor did? Placed him on an island, a prison. Right? All because he was preaching the word of God. Right? So they place John on this prison, so he goes from making he goes from freedom to preaching in the churches to now he's going to make big rocks into little rocks. Right? So, <laughs> so he's on this island, this the, uh, island called Patmos, and that's in the Aegean Sea. So it's kind of like our Alcatraz. Right? So surrounded by water, you're stuck there. Right? So while he's on this island, this prison, he receives a revelation. Now, we would think John would have it good, right? With the gospel we get today, John being an apostle, on the message that we get in this country, John should have it good, right? He should not be in prison making big rocks in the little rocks, right? Away from everybody, right? That's not the gospel we hear in America, is it? No, that's not the gospel we hear because now, by the gospel we hear in America, that means John has no faith. <laughs> right? John has no faith or somewhere John sinned. <laughs> One of those two things. That's what the American gospel is going to teach us. <laughs> right? Because guess what? As Christians, we're blessed, we're prosperous, 
We're healthy, we're supposed to be rich, and we're not supposed to go through anything in life, right? That's right. Where are we getting that from? <laughs> where are we getting that from? <laughs> I'm still waiting for somebody to show me where, where, where we're getting that from, right? <laughs> now, do I wish it was like that? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. But you know what? It's a good thing when we go through things because we should be drawing closer to God. But what happens is because we hear this type of message, when, when we have Christians, they, they may be legitimate Christians, but when they go through and they struggle, they start to pull away from God. Right? When Christians start to go, we start to isolate ourselves. Right? So now we no longer go to church. We may take a few weeks off. Right? Nobody's going to call you. <laughs> right? And, and, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. But no, when we're going through, now we're supposed to be able to reach out to another brother or sister. Right? Because some things we may not be able to handle ourselves. Right? So there are times where the Apostle Paul was by himself, but when we read, we can tell he enjoyed being around other believers. Why? Because he was encouraged by them. But again, when we get this gospel message today, oh, no, you're doing something wrong. Right? Or, you know what? Whatever. Go talk to this person. Right? No. We have to encourage one another. So, John, think about this. So, John and John in, in prison, and guess what? The Lord visited him. The Lord visited him. Amen. So, I already said, uh, basically, the author of Revelation is John. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, and, and we know this because the Gospel of John and Revelation are the only two books where they note they, uh, Jesus as the Word, describe him as the Lamb, and both describe Jesus as witness. Right? And we know John's author because there were other early, uh, what we consider early fathers, those that were fathers in the faith that came like after the apostles, that let us know in their writings. Right? And, and, and this is a complete different than what we get, because a lot of this premillennialism, that's what we get taught in the American churches. Right? This is why we're so rapture-oriented, pre-tribulation rapture-oriented. I talked about how we're looking for that quick escape. And the reason how I know that is not what Paul was thinking about, even when he talks about the rapture, is because that free trade rapture actually came about in the 1800s. Right? So now that's some new revelation now. Right? And it's not that we can't look at the scriptures and discover new things, but that's not what God intended. Right? Because, we, as I mentioned, all the apostles, with the exception of John, were. Martyred. They were murdered. Mm -hmm. Right? They were murdered. Yes, they were all still looking for Christ to return, but they all had to go through. Right? right? They didn't count it as a curse, they counted it as a blessing. Right? So even Stephen, Stephen didn't do anything wrong. We went through Acts before, right? You read Acts chapter. Right. Stephen didn't do anything wrong besides preach the truth. Right. And what did they do? They killed him. They stoned him. Right? For preaching the truth. Right? So that is a lot different than what we see today. And, and, and even, you know, it's not even the issue of even when COVID hit and then people trying to keep their churches open. And it, no, yeah, they, some of them deserve to get in prison because they were bragging about it and they were just disobeying it. You know, we, we always think sometimes that the government is always trying to do things. No, when, they, when, they, when the government is scared and they don't have a clue, they're going to always react by fear. Right? Everything is not always 
Satan's driven by the government. Right? So we, we got to be careful when we do those things. But when I read about this, uh, um, the apostles and how they got murdered, and we're going to talk about some, well, not necessarily apostles, but other Christians as we get to the churches. Because what you don't know, the letter was written to seven churches. All of them has issues with the exception of two of them. And only one still exists today. All right, so let's turn to, uh, now we get to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And today will probably be the longest message. <laughs> All right. Revelation chapter 1. of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must, which must come shortly take place, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Now, going back to verse 1, let's start right there. Which God gave him to show his servants. Who was his servant? His believers. Right? His believers. The thing about it is, we have more, probably more unsaved people reading the book of Revelation than we do believers. And how do I know that? Because when you look at these superhero yeah. movies, yeah. comic books, they all make reference from stuff in Revelation. Yeah, they do. And, the, and the, the scary part is, this is what our young people are, are getting into them because what they do is the references in Revelation that's towards, that make towards Jesus Christ, they make it towards the villain in these movies. So this is what people see. And, and that's a plot by Satan. Getting ready for the end time. So now, this is why you got to be careful even when you watch these movies. And what was the other movie? Uh, well, the Matrix. A lot of biblical references in there. Not made or directed by somebody that was born again. So these are unsaved people that are getting the information from the Bible. And a lot of times, a lot of Christians don't even realize it. Why? Because we don't even read the Bible half the time. Right? We don't even read the Bible, let alone we're not even going to read Revelation. Right? Alright, so he says here, the latter part of uh, verse 1, things which must shortly take place. That means quickly. Right? So to us, it's a long time. But remember, one year to us is a thousand years to God. Right? right? So God's not bound by time. We are. Right? So... It's like that to God. So now, even when we die or we get taken out of here, guess what? We're not going to be bound by time. Everything, you know, what our whole life, and that's why I, I said, you know, when you have people who go to church or even unsaved when they're not serving Christ now, it's like I, I think I said this before. I had a friend that said it. You know, when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he said, wait, you didn't want to serve me on earth. Right? No matter how long you live, whether it's five years old, whether it's 70, 80, 90 years, why would you want to spend eternity with them? Right? And it's funny, and I thought about this today, when you have self-proclaimed Christians who say they don't want to go to church. Well, wait a minute. You don't want to be around the brethren on earth. Why do you want to be around the brethren in heaven? Because what do you think we're going to be doing? Having church up there. Right? So now, but... Yeah, oh, no, I don't want to go to church now. I don't need church. Okay, what word do you read? 
Because we see Paul preached where? In congregation. Matter of fact, we want to see Jesus wrote the letters to the churches, not just the universal church, but congregations. So what make us think as believers we're not supposed to be a church? Verse 3. Blessed. That means uh, happy. Fortunate. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So happy. Fortunate are you. Not you're blessed because you got mansions, you got a house, you got a jet, you got money. No, no, no. <laughs> blessed is he. This is the only book in the Bible that tells us, hey, we're blessed if we read it and hear it. So that word reading means to know accurately, get the knowledge of. In other words, we should study it, right? And reading out loud and hearing it, hearing it. You know, we get people, you know, we, we get these Christians, they get so bogged down with spiritual warfare. Oh, I got to cast this spirit down. I got to cast it. And they got all these names for these different spirits, these demonic spirits, and I don't know where they get them from, right? Let me tell you something. And I, it works. When you feel oppressed and things like that, you feel spiritual, open up the book of Revelation and start reading it. I guarantee you that atmosphere will clear up. Why? The enemy don't want to hear that stuff. Because it talks about his destruction. It talks right. about the destruction of his people. We don't have to go around rebuking this, rebuking that all the time. Just open up Revelation and read it. That's the advantage we have as a church today. Because we have the whole word of God. Israel didn't have that. The early church didn't have it, but we have it. Amen. And we have it, but yet we don't read it. All right, verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and ruler over the kings of the earth. So who's the ruler over the kings of the earth? Jesus. Right? So we don't have... And see, here's the thing. While all those uh, apostles were being persecuted by the emperor, right? The emperor wasn't doing nothing that Jesus didn't know about. Right? And, and a lot of them... And not just not just the apostles, but er, uh, the Christians in the early church, they could have saved their life. All they had to do was renounce Christ. That that became a law. All you got look if you were saved, if you were Christian, they were gonna burn you alive, crucify you, stone you, do something. They would put you to death. All you had to do was renounce Christ. And I'm sure probably some did, but a lot of them did. A lot of them did, and. We can't comprehend that fully, you know, because we're living in this country, right? We don't face what people in the Middle East. I remember when I uh, deployed to Iraq and I had to fly commercial, and they were telling me, you know, don't carry your Bible on you, pack it up. I said, I'm gonna carry my Bible, but the Lord checked me because. Just because I can do that here doesn't mean I can do it over there. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. It doesn't mean I'm uh, 
I'm afraid, but I got to use wisdom in that, right? And sometimes we as Christians, we speak and we don't utilize wisdom in that. Now, what I meant to preface is that if we get to the churches, I'm going to probably step on some toes, but I promise you my toes will step on first. All right, so don't take nothing that I say personal or anything like that. All right, because my toes got stuck. All right, <laughs> so let's get that out of the way. All right, uh, did I read verse six? No, I did. I didn't read verse five. Okay, yes, that was verse five. All right, so this could take reference for your notes right there. And uh, you can write down Isaiah, uh, I believe it's chapter. Uh, Isaiah 11, verse 2 and 3, where it talks about the seven spirits. So, you know, we have spirit of counsel, spirit of wisdom, and that, that's what it's talking about. That's what it's referring to. So that's another Old Testament reference there. All right, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, that one I read, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God, and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, we don't know why Jesus uh, told John to send these letters to these seven churches, but most uh, most scholars suggest that because Paul, not Paul, excuse me, um, John founded six out of the seven. Only one he didn't find was Ephesus, but Ephesus was where he lived at. Right? And we know that from an historian that was one of John's disciples. So these seven churches are in, in an Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, right? That's, that's the region over there. All right, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. So we don't have, look, when Jesus finally returns, everybody's going to see. Everybody's going to know. It's not going to be some hidden thing, but everybody's going to see. Everybody's going to know, and even those who pierced them, those who pierced them, meaning the Jewish nation. Why? Because they didn't want that turn on Jesus. Right? But at that time, they're going to realize who he is. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So, Jesus created all things, and he's going to end all things. Right. right? So we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. Right? We, you know, as Christians, we tend to become so devil-centered sometimes. The devil's doing this. The devil's doing that. How about Jesus Christ is in control? Right. The devil can't do anything. Jesus doesn't okay. Amen. Right? And ultimately, what are we afraid of? Right? Because we quote the scripture to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But how many Christians are afraid to die? <laughs> right? You know, we, years ago when I worked corrections, you you have lieutenants, right? So if you made a lieutenant mad, the lieutenant will put you somewhere where you didn't want to work, somewhere that was hard. So some of us were smart, not all of us, as correction officers. Some of us realized we will master the hard areas of work. Why? Because if you got upset with me and you put me there, so what? I can handle it. So you're not going to affect me. And then they will come by to look to see if you get stressed. And now when you're happy and you're good, they get mad. <laughs> and it turns on them. Right? 
Same thing with this, right? What's the, what's the worst the enemy can do to us? Right? The worst he can do to us is what? Make us suffer, kill us, right? And then we're going to wake up in eternity with Jesus Christ. And I promise you, you're not going to be thinking about this earth. I promise you, you're not going to be thinking about your family. Right? right? I, I, I'm telling you, you're not. Because you're going to be focused on Jesus Christ. And you're going to be worshiping and praising God. Amen. Amen. You are not going to miss anything here. <laughs> I don't care how good the food is, you're not going to miss it. I promise you. <laughs> and I love me some food. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, you know, I went, we went to the well. We talked about that. We went to the fair. I only went because I wanted that sausage, right? So I, I tell people that's the most expensive sausage I ever paid for. <laughs> that, that's the only reason why I went. So I just had a craving for the sausage. <laughs> I digress. All right, verse nine. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, he's saying your companion. Your, your, your companion in the tribulation. So, John is, this is the apostle John who is placing himself right there with everybody else. And he's letting us know he was in prison for preaching the word of God. The testimony of Jesus Christ. And again, we can't fathom that in this country. We, we just can't fathom that. Because we, you know, we have it on TV, right? We have it on TV, we have it on radio, we have it on YouTube, we have it everywhere. But yet, we are such terrible Christians in this country. <laughs> which makes no sense. Amen. We got all these different translations that we can read, right? But yet, we don't even read it. Right? We'd rather let somebody preach it to us, teach it to us all the time. So we got people, and yes, that's what we're, we're to do. Right? That's why we have the fivefold ministry. However, you got to read your Bible throughout the week. Right. right? We can't just survive on YouTube. You can't just survive on just going to church and just listening to the, uh, the pastors say you. And like I said, now you got churches that don't even, they're going to give you one verse, which makes no sense to me. And then now, again, you got these revelatory preachers, they ain't going to give you no verse. They're going to give you what they got from God. What's the prophetic word I got this week? Right. <laughs> John was in prison just for preaching Christ. Right? They tried to boil him in oil for preaching Christ. Right? But he didn't let that stop him. Right? And we, we, we let the little things get to us. Right? We even let people within the church that irritate us get to us. Oh, I'm not going back there. <laughs> they irritate me. It's okay to get angry at people. Right? It's okay. When you have cause, the Bible tells us that. Matthew 5, I think it's 22. It tells us that we can get angry at somebody for just cause. The problem is, sometimes we get angry when it's not. Because we get selfish. Right? And it's not just cause. So, it's okay. Get angry, that's an emotion. Right? But we're not to let the wrath go, we're not to let the sun go down on our wrath, right? And sometimes we, we forget that. Right? We go to bed angry, right? And then we start thinking about that person, right? And then we like, oh, I forgive them. And then two days later, here comes that 
evil spirit, bringing up their name. <laughs> and then we get angry again. Right? And then we're not even around them. Right? We're not we're not even at church or we're not even at work, but now we get angry. I'm sure they probably want to get mad at the emperor as well. But you know what they probably did? They probably prayed for him, just like Stephen. Here's Stephen getting stoned. Right? And that's again, we can't fathom that. Stephen is getting stoned. But he's saying, Lord, don't hold this against us. But yet, we got people in the pulpit cursing this leader, this politician, this one. They're not even stumbling them with, with rocks. Jesus was so proud of Stephen that he stood up. That's right. He stood up. Now, how many of us American Christians that he might... I done set it up. I done, I done gave you all these examples. I done gave you a whole chapter in Hebrews chapter 11 of people that went through stuff and stood tall. And you're still not getting it right. I done gave you a message to seven churches in Revelations, and you're still not getting it right. No. We should see what Stephen saw. Mm -hmm. That's right. Jesus standing up. Praise God. Mm -hmm. I have my sister. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Stephen was so full of faith and joy. He probably didn't feel it. Verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Diatra, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The only one we seem to know really all the time is Philadelphia and Laodicea. <laughs> We're going to learn all seven. And also, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, is also referred to in the Old Testament. But you know, it's Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4, and Isaiah 44, verse 6. All right, verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to, to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. Verse 14. His head and hair were, like, were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth when a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. So we know who he's describing here, Jesus, right? And again, that's made reference in Daniel chapter 7, this whole description right here, right? So again, it's nothing new that we're getting here. And, and even verses 12 and 13, that's a reference back, going back to Exodus 25, verse 37, and Exodus 37, 23. Again, Old Testament stuff. That's already been, he's not giving us anything new. All right? So, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Let's stop right there. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead. This is the same John that was a disciple, right? Who's talking to him? Jesus. Right? This is the same John that 
saw Jesus crucified. This is the same John while Jesus was on the cross. <coughs> Son, behold your mother. He put Mary in John's care. Same John that fell dead. This is the same John that saw Jesus with Peter and James on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Christ in his glorified state. He saw him. But now he's seeing him again in his glorified state. Right? So explain to me how, if this is John that walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus, walked with Jesus for three and a half years, he falls as dead. Why do we have all these people that all of a sudden have all these encounters with Jesus? And an encounter is all about them. That doesn't line up with scripture. I don't care how old or how young they are. Because one of them was a movie we made about. Little boy. I don't care how old or young they are. Since when does Jesus need to come? Every time we see people that have an encounter with the Lord, it's about his glory, his majesty. But when we hear it today from people out of the mouth, especially us Americans, it's all about us. What Jesus is trying to do for us. And it's funny, and these are true statements. Oh, Jesus came and he had dinner with me. Jesus came and he apologized to me. He said he was wrong. These are ministers that say these things. <laughs> and if I name names, you would know. But yet, this is John that sees Jesus and he falls as dead. So we got all these people. So that tells me that one of these things don't fit. One of these things don't fit. So people are lying. Better be careful who you're listening to. Amen. All right, finish with verse 17. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And also, all these people, have, everywhere we see in the Bible where people have an encounter with an angel, they're afraid. They're afraid. But we got all these people talking about their best friends with them. <laughs> they see them all the time. They're eating dinner, and the angels are there. True story. I'm, that's not true. What I'm saying is what they're saying is true. Right? <laughs> yes. But you're not afraid. You didn't see no angel. Everywhere I see the Bible, they were afraid. Daniel, afraid. He, he, he walked closely. He had a relationship with God. Saw prophetic visions. John. Verse 18. Alright, we're almost there. Actually, pretty much at the end. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. So he's a he's he is alive. Right? Again, why are we afraid? Right? Even no matter what we need, no matter what we're going through, he's alive. And guess what? The same Jesus that John saw, that glorified Jesus, guess what? He dwells in us as believers. Right? So what are we afraid of? What are we ashamed of? Right? Because when we start to get afraid or we start to get ashamed, we start to worry now, we start to take our lives and we place it before God. But we got, you know, what's the song? Um, My life is not long, to him I belong. Well, we sing that, but do we believe? <laughs> or do we put our trust in everything around us? 
right? And I know because we're human with flesh, it can be sometimes hard. But we cannot love our lives. Go uh, real quick. Uh, go to Hebrews chapter eleven. You know we're familiar with this chapter because, like I said, this is one chapter in Hebrews we do read. But this this is one of my uh, you know favorite. Let's find the verse. Hebrews chapter By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness, were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. This is the same Jesus that John saw. This is the same Jesus that's doing these things that dwells in us. There's nothing too hard for him. Others were tortured. Others were tortured. Others were tortured. So much for that living that good life again. They were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might attain a better resurrection. Oh, you can't tell me to close my church down. But here, they were tortured physically. Not accepting deliverance. There's a difference between what I'm reading here, what the author is talking about here, than what we see today. Not accepting deliverance that they might attain a better resurrection. Still, Others had trial of mock mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sorted, sort, sorted too. Alive. They weren't dead, they were sorted too alive. <laughs> were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, aff afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Not in mansions. And all these having attained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. I want to read that because we focus a lot of times on the first three chords. I know I read this before and talked about it. We focus on the, when you hear people talk about Hebrew chapter, they focus on the first three chords of this chapter. But you never focus on the last chord. I wonder why. Because it doesn't match up with what the message they're trying to preach. All right, let's go back to Revelation. Finish this up. Right, I think we're at verse 19. Yes. All right. Write the things down which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place. So write the things which you have seen He's talking about what he's seeing here in chapter 1. The things which are, these are the, 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 the letters to the seven churches, uh, chapters 2 and 3, and the things which will take place, chapter 4 through 22. So Revelation is in three parts. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. 
The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So basically, Jesus is uh, letting us know who the seven stars are and the seven lampstands. Okay? So there's different opinions on who who, who the um, seven stars are, but generally they're considered to be the pastors there. Right? So sometimes you may hear somebody minister and they say, hey, let's give it up for the angels of the house. They're referring to the pastor. Right? So what's happening is when he get, when we get to these seven churches, all of them got all the revelation from chapter one to twenty-two, all seven churches, and they got to see the message that was written to them. So they got exposed on what they were doing wrong, and they got glorified and praised for what they were doing right. Right. So every one of them. So again, we don't know fully why it was seven, but seven is what number of completion. Right. And these letters to these seven churches here was also for us today. Right? So now, seven lampstands. Right? Seven lampstands, he says, are the seven churches. What do we know about lampstands? Back in that day, they burned with what? Oil and fire. It's not the lampstands that burn, but it's oil and fire. Right? So, same thing as we as Christians. We only burn. We can only shine by Christ and the Holy Spirit shining in us. And we're going to see as we get to one of the churches where Jesus talks about removing their light. And he's talking about believers. Right? So these are all things that are important to us. And that's why I said we, we can't we, we can't be reading the same Bible. Because what we're going to read from these seven churches, we're going to see there's no such thing as one saved always saved. <laughs> and, and Jesus loved them enough where he gave them a warning. He gave them a warning. That's why he said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. But he also gave a warning, if you don't hear, what's going to happen? Right. He told them, he told one of the churches, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Remove your life. And see, here's the thing. Even with these seven angels passing, Jesus knows every pastor in every congregation. He knows every person, every Christian in every congregation. He knows every, as we're going to see in all, when we get to these services, he knows everything. So we don't have to worry about brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, kissing up. We don't have to worry about pastor so-and-so doing corruption, anything like that. Jesus is going to take care of us because he knows. And this is the warning that he provides to these churches, the same one. We're going to see ourselves at one point in our walk. It's probably in some, multiple of these churches. Maybe even all seven, right? Again, stepping on my own toes. But this should be a wake-up call to us. This should be a wake-up call to the whole body of Christ, which is why it's important for us to read the book of Revelation, for us to, to understand it, to hear it out loud. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's bow our heads.